The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. Good afternoon and welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. Our 13-week series will run from today through January 9th and will give you information on what OA is about, how it works, and if it's right for you. Most of our guests will be OA members who had issues with food and eating compulsively, and they found the OA program has worked best for them to make real positive changes in their lives. So first, a little history. OA was started in 1960 in Los Angeles, California. Our founder, Roseanne, had struggled with her weight and yo-yo dieting for a long time. She happened to attend a Gamblers Anonymous 12-step meeting in support of a friend and wondered if what she heard there could also be useful in dealing with her eating and weight problems. So she created OA. She used the 12-step model of Alcoholics Anonymous. The first OA meeting was just her and a couple of friends in her living room, and now we're a nonprofit international organization with over 6,700 meetings in more than 75 countries. So before we go any further, and we have lots to talk about, I'm going to ask you 15 questions that will help you decide if you have a problem with compulsive eating. So here we go. Do you eat when you're not hungry or not eat when your body needs nourishment? Do you go on eating binges for no apparent reason, sometimes eating until you're stuffed or even feel sick? Do you have feelings of guilt, shame, or embarrassment about your weight or the way you eat? Do you eat sensibly in front of others and then make up for it when you're alone? Is your eating affecting your health or the way you live your life? When your emotions are intense, whether positive or negative, do you find yourself reaching for food? Do your eating behaviors make you or others unhappy? Have you ever used laxatives, vomiting, diuretics, excessive exercise, diet pills, shots, or other medical interventions, including surgery, to try to control your weight? Do you fast or severely restrict your food intake to control your weight? Do you fantasize about how much better life would be if you were a different size or weight? Do you need to chew or have something in your mouth all the time, like food, gum, mints, candies, or drinks? Have you ever eaten food that's burned, frozen, or spoiled, or from containers in the grocery store, or maybe even out of the garbage? Are there certain foods you can't stop eating after having the first bite? 
Have you lost weight with a diet or a period of control only to be followed by bouts of uncontrolled eating or weight gain? Do you spend too much time thinking about food, arguing with yourself about whether or what to eat, planning the next diet or exercise cure, or counting calories? If you answered yes to several of these questions, it's possible that you have or are well on your way to having a compulsive eating or overeating problem. Joining us today are three guests from OA who will share what they went through before they found OA and what their lives are like now. Since anonymity is an important principle of our program, we'll only be using their first names. Mary from New Mexico has been in program for 10 years and has maintained a 120-pound weight loss for nine. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Naomi. It's great to be here. Let's talk a bit about your relationship with food before you found OA and recovery. So what was it like for you um, with compulsive eating growing up, um, in your adulthood? What was your life like? Well, I have been an overeater ever since um, childhood, early childhood. And, of course, this was a cause of great distress to my family uh, because I was the only one. And uh, back then, they didn't know anything about uh, what to do about this. Uh, we know very little now, but even less at that time. So it was a, a cause of tremendous worry in my household. And, uh, you know, that kind of tension, needless to say, is always felt by the child. Um, I had all the heartache of the fat child experience in school, uh, in social situations and so forth. Um, and uh, I was uh, shunned by my peers and took to... Uh, to isolating and uh, being by myself, reading and eating. Um, I uh, grew up as a yo-yo dieter. I always wanted to do something about my situation. I think that it's safe to say I gained and lost a thousand pounds over the years. Um, what did I, you say? You lost how much weight? Probably over about the years? a thousand pounds. You know, up and down, up and down, wow. over and over. Wow. Uh, I could only maintain my weight when everything in my life was completely serene. Uh, the minute anything happened, uh, whether it was good or bad, uh, I was back in the food and uh, back eating uh, uncontrollably and gaining any weight back that I might have lost. Um, I was uh, living in a haze, really, um, only able to react to things. I wasn't in a position to actually do anything proactive in my life to improve my situation. I just kind of went along, uh, focusing on the food all the time, um, by the time I came to OA, I was in um, such a condition that um, I was just about eating nonstop. I um, preferred and usually went to the all-you-can-eat lunch venues. Uh, for a long time, I had a a 60-mile commute to and from my home uh, to get to work. I would often stop more than once to buy food along the way. Uh, then, of course... Mary, uh, I have a question. So what did, what did food and compulsive eating give you that you weren't getting elsewhere in your uh, life? I think it was just some sense of comfort. Uh-huh. I was just always uneasy and uncomfortable. I knew that something was wrong with me. Apart, Well, I felt it was apart from my eating. I was very... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, never able to live up to what appeared to be my potential. Uh, couldn't get things done. Started projects, couldn't finish them. Um, and I didn't associate that as being related to my overeating, but since coming to OA, I've learned that it definitely was. Well, 
how did this situation that you were in affect your relationships with other people? Um, fortunately, I had a lot of uh, support and love from my family, but um, as far as everyone else was concerned, uh, I was going through life in a very uh, frightened and uh, overly sensitive state, so I was very, very touchy. Um, I mm. couldn't give people the attention that they deserved. I uh, was, uh, it was very easy for me to fall out of touch with friends, with loved ones, and just to kind of uh, just live in my own little world. Yeah. And when you came to OA, you, you came to your first meeting, what did you hear there? Like, how did you know that you were in the right place for you? It was very clear to me. I was very fortunate. Um, as the day I came to my first meeting, I weighed 262 pounds. I was uh, just really ready to do something. And I yep. thought that uh, when I came to OA, I would find uh, people who were as miserable as I was um, and that we would all somehow hang together and uh, fight this fight, this battle, uh, mm-hmm. to remain, to get and to remain um, and within a reasonable weight range, and I discovered immediately that that wasn't what it was all about. I I found some people in my first meeting who were obviously very happy, uh, who were obviously uh, grateful that Overeaters Anonymous had made a tremendous difference in their lives. I heard for the first time the thing I've heard so many times since then, people saying, uh, OA has saved my life. Um, I could see that, there w- that the room was not full of misery, but uh, that there was a lot of, mm-hmm. of happiness. Wow. Uh, yeah. Did someone in particular reach out to you at the uh, meeting? Uh, several people did. And um, uh, one of those people turned out to be my first sponsor, the first person that I selected to help me uh, navigate mm-hmm. the 12 steps and to learn how to recover. Um, but uh, there are two or three people who were in that room that day that are still very close now, so this was, among other things, it opened up a whole new world of friendship and fellowship yeah. for me. And what was it like for you when, um, when you stopped binging and you started to lose weight? It was a, rem- a remarkable release from the very beginning. Um, I, uh, I just uh, had no idea that I could make this work uh, because I had tried and failed so many times before. And the, it was a combination of um, learning some new things about how I could eat and also beginning immediately to live the 12-step way of life that made it possible for me to have a really great experience from the outset with, with the weight loss process because I wasn't mm-hmm. with um, a lot of fears, a lot of concerns. You know, I wasn't worried about what was going to happen at the end of the process. Uh, always before, I think, whenever I'd started a diet, there was always this nagging sense in the back of my mind that I was going to fail or that ultimately I would fail. And I didn't, I didn't feel that way this time. I really felt that there was hope that there was really a long-range solution to the problem if only I uh, stayed with my food plan and stayed with my program. And I have to say I really had come in with the firm conviction that there were some things that I was never going to be able to do, that I was never going to be able to learn how to control portions, um, that I was never going to be able possibly to give up certain foods uh, permanently uh, because, uh-huh. um, you know, I just thought that this was just impossible. 
but I learned that one day at a time, I could do it. And what were some of those foods that you thought you could never give up? Well, um, anything that um, really just about just about anything. I, uh, <laughs> you know, it was uh, I was I was just such uh, a. Uh, an equal opportunity eater. I, I was eating. <laughs> I was just eating tremendous volumes of things all the time. But of course, it was the sweets, and I didn't understand that, that, that sugar was a big trigger for me. I really thought that, that anything that was appealing, I had to have. Yeah. But I learned over time that sugar was was the real culprit. I had thought yeah. for so long that fat was the culprit, so I started restricting things that had a lot of fat in them, but I was still eating a lot of other substances that, um, that it turned out were undermining me. And yeah. uh, I chose to go the route of giving up sugar and flour. And um, that sounds pretty, pretty tough, but for me it worked because I stopped doing that and I stopped having these cravings that had been plaguing me my entire life. And I can honestly say that I haven't had a real craving for the better part of 10 years, you know, where I just wow. felt like I was compelled to go out and get them. So do you ever, at this point now, it's been, it's been 10 years, um, do, you, do you ever still have that kind of thought when you're in a stressful situation, oh, you know, I, I just really want to go stop at that donut place, or, you know, if only I could eat something, I would feel better, or is, is it just gone for you, that kind of um, it's thinking? It's gone for me. It really is. I am so blessed that this is that this has happened for me, and I, I firmly believe that that's um, that that's again because of the combination of a little bit of willingness to do things that I didn't think I could ever do, and the power uh, in living the twelve step way of life and, and coming to understand uh, how my um, how the other problems that I had had in my life were related to my eating that all of it could be solved by following some pretty simple um, instructions that we've been given and uh, living by those guidelines. Okay, that's, that's amazing. We're going to come back to you in a minute, but it, right now it's time for us to take a short break. Um, this is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. 
Find us on the web at OA.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We've been talking with Mary about her experience in OA. So, um, Mary, people in OA often talk about having a spiritual awakening and developing a relationship with a higher power. So um, what does that have to do with eating compulsively, and how does that help you in your recovery? Well, I think it has everything to do with eating compulsively. Um, Really? Yes, I I really do. I I was very fortunate. I had an early experience uh, that I think really helped me to get on the right path uh, very soon after I came to my first meeting, and it was related to, um, I think, my making a, a conscious decision to try and do things differently this time. Um, I've always, because of various difficulties I've had in my life, I've always been an adapter. I've had to felt, felt like, for various reasons, whatever the guidelines were or whatever the rules were, that there was some little tweak that I had to put on it to make it so I could, so I could fulfill. Uh, the um, whatever it was that I was attempting to do, and of course, so I came to OA that way too. And I got a copy of our book, The Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, at my first meeting, and I started reading it. And I thought, mm, this is interesting. And there were parts of it that I thought were really uh, perfect for me, and then there were other parts that I thought would not work for me at all. And um, I realized I was doing that, and I made a decision to to just stop go back, close the book, open it up, and start reading it again from Mm -hmm. the very beginning and uh, to do it this time with an open mind and to uh, really try and absorb this information and to get beyond the ideas that I couldn't couldn't do this or couldn't do that. And very shortly after that, uh, something really amazing happened. I I made a decision um, to... uh, I was having a meal that I thought would be abstinent in the sense of being uh, a good, clean meal that was not too much and that was uh-huh. a good size and everything. And um, it was going to be half a portion of something I'd ordered from a Chinese restaurant. And then I got done eating that, and I started picking away at the other half and uh, telling myself all of these uh, things uh, that, that uh, it would really be okay if I ate the whole thing because it was so much less than I usually ate. If I ate it all, I wouldn't be hungry at bedtime all of these kinds of things that I'd been telling myself all of my life, and I realized that wasn't right. And I went to put the rest of the food into a container, and I really felt that God or a higher power had touched me at that very moment and told me that I wasn't hungry. And mm. that, to me, was just an incredible revelation because I couldn't remember a time in my entire life when I hadn't felt hungry. Wow. And that's amazing. I knew. And I thought, wow, this is going to have to work. And what, like, now, your life now, how is it different than it was before? What's, what's a gift that you've received from being in OA? So many gifts. I'm, I'm not the defensive, frightened, and angry person that I used to be. Um, 
I, um, I can remain uh, abstinent and I can remain on track and I can remain hopeful uh, in the face of, of sorrow, of tragedy, of frustration, um, you know, any kind of thing that life brings my way, um, I'm able to live with it and I'm able to not turn back to the food. And, uh, uh, that's it's, amazing. It's a complete change from the way I was. And I know that I've changed because I feel so good inside. I feel like I can always, um, that there's a solution to anything that comes my way. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether it's something that the that the world is throwing at me, or whether it's um, something about myself that I'm not happy with, right? Uh, either way, there is something in the twelve steps that I can use to turn that around um, and to go on living um, in a different without the food, a different way yeah, without right. the food, and also more serenely. I, I remember. Uh, kind, I'd have the kinds of days at work where I was so upset about something that happened. I'd come home, I'd be crying, I'd be stuffing my face with food, I'd be unhappy for days or possibly weeks. I realized uh-huh. a few years ago when I went to my Monday night OA meeting, uh, I was telling myself that I'd had a really good day, and I reflected, and some of those same things had happened to me that day that it used to happen to me that would destroy me. And at the yeah. end of that day, I was saying, I had a good day. <laughs> <laughs> That's really different. <laughs> really different. And then the final thing that, 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 that has just been so key for me is that I see how over the years people treat me very differently. Uh, I have greater acceptance from other people. I have received greater respect from other people. And the, the miraculous thing about that is all these years I was trying so hard to control and so frightened and so worried, um, that was what I really wanted. I just wanted people to accept me and to respect me. Sure, and who I was doesn't just, want that? Yeah. Just wasn't going about it the right way. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for sharing your story with us. Um, we're going to move on to our next guest, John from Arizona. Are you there, John? Hello, how are you? Very good. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it's my pleasure. So you've been in program for three and a half years, right? No, I've been abstinent three and a half years. I've been in program since 95. Okay, and you've been maintaining a 50-pound weight loss. That's right? right, yep. So tell me a little bit about your background and when eating became a problem for you. Well, eating was a problem from when I can remember. Um, I didn't. Really? Think of it as a problem then, um, but I stole. I can remember twice when I stole money from my my uh, mother's purse um, when I was under ten to go and buy candy, and I got caught both times. Um, and I remember stealing um, or departing from the family's activities um, and going into our kitchen and uh, I'd say binging on cookies probably around the age of 10, because um, uh, I wasn't able to stop. So, um, boy, it's been going on since the very beginning. Um, so and, that's and did, you, did you have a weight issue even as a child? Yes, I've always been. I've all, up until now, three and a half years ago, I've always been heavy. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel about yourself with this, with compulsive eating? Like, how was that for you? 
Well, you know, this is actually just, you know, I didn't look at it as compulsive overeating back then, you know. Um, I looked at it as I was fat, and I just didn't like it, and I was an outcast. So I don't know mm-hmm. what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, it's that type of sure. a deal. Um, so that's always how it felt, and I always felt like an oddball and overweight. And, you know, funny enough, looking back at pictures of me when I was a teenager, I was a little overweight, but I wasn't, you know, as big as I felt that I was. Yeah, interesting. Did, yeah. did you get teased? Oh, yeah. You know, that was, uh, I got teased about my weight by friends and, you know, even family. And I don't think they were really trying to be as mean as the effect that it was having, but it sure had a pretty uh, strong effect on me. Sure. I would think it's kind of a, uh, like a vicious cycle. You, you get teased, which makes you feel bad about yourself, and then you go eat to comfort yourself, which then you gain weight and you get, continue to get teased. Is it kind of like that? Yep, and then the whole thing about it is you don't understand, especially at that age, what's going on. I just know that I like to eat, you know, and right. it's getting right. worse. Right. Um, so as an adult, um, how did your um, your issues with food um, affect your relationships, your family, friends, your work? Oh, you know, the food, you know, is just a symptom, as most of us in the program know. You know, mm-hmm. um, really, I'm eating, or I was eating because, you know, it's things I didn't like going on around me, and that was kind of what you alluded to before was that was kind of my release or my, my relief from, you know, not liking those situations. And, um, you know, I was in the Marine. I had joined the Marines uh, when I was 18, and a big part of that was uh, I saw these two guys that I was in high school with that were a little older than me had joined the Marines. They came back, I mean, really in shape, you know. And uh, I said, man, that's, that looks pretty good to me. And so I did that. And I can tell you, um, yeah, I lost weight in boot camp because it was a very structured and regimented um, atmosphere. You know, you're supervised mm-hmm. every minute of every day, and everything you eat uh, is monitored. Sure. And really looking back, it was just a very sensible diet where you couldn't eat uh, sugary uh, or processed types of foods, you know. And you do exercise, and voila, you lose a bunch of weight. Um, and they make sure of that because you, you can't slip because you're there, but... Uh, once I got into the Marine, you know, the re- regular forces of the Marine Corps, I gained my weight right back. And um, that was very hard to deal with because the Marine Corps doesn't like fat people. <clears throat> and um, so I really liked the Marine Corps, and I felt like it was my calling in life. But uh, at the same time, I was overweight all the time, and that's just looked down upon. So you really don't get any type of credibility from any Marine right. w- once you get into the, you know, ranks where you're managing and leading people, it just it makes things so difficult because as soon as somebody sees that you're overweight, uh, you just have zero credibility and it hurts promotion chances. And I mean, it just goes on and on. It's kind of like the, the curse uh, if yeah, you're in, yeah. in the Marines. So that, that was a constant battle for me. And didn't you say something, I remember when we talked earlier about um, people, people send a lot of junk food to people in the military and that oh, can be a yeah. real problem. Yeah, you know, I, when I was in Desert Storm, uh, people want to send, you know, care packages and all that. And what they do is they put all kinds of, uh, you know, junk food in there that's got, 
you know, anything that's in a can or will last a long time. And sure. the, it was ironic that uh, I ate more junk food in Desert Storm in the middle of the desert than I did, I think, anywhere else <laughs> because it was just unlimited amounts that were available, you know, and it's just something that people probably don't realize. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, and you had said also that you, you had issues with alcohol and drugs and you were in rehab and that's kind of how you came across OA. Right? Yeah, you know, and uh, uh, throughout my teenage years, I was using that stuff, and I, I'll just say that, you know, in the background, I was always eating. Every time I would, you know, come down from something or have a hangover, that's the first thing I would go to, and at that time, I didn't realize, but it was really kind of the big daddy in the background the, the whole time. So, yeah. um, you know, fast forward, um, well, I went to a rehab when I was 17 for mess, and uh, I gained 30 pounds in that month. So uh-huh. that'll give you an idea wow. that I was doing. Um, and then, so I, I go to an alcohol rehab when I'm in the Marines. I think I was about uh, 24, and uh, when I checked in there, they gave me all these questionnaires, and um, I put some stuff down about my eating. Um, and then later on, they came to me and. At that time, they had an overeaters rehab in this military rehab also. And they said, you need to go, you need to help with your food. And boy, I just fought it tooth and nail because, you know, in my mind, it's just like that was the last thing I want to be labeled was fat, even though, you know, I was overweight and had always been. But my ego and pride was in the way, and it was just amazing looking back the denial about my condition. And long story short, they forced me because I was in the military to go to an OA meeting, which I was just did not want to go to. Um, but here I am like 15 or 16 years later, and boy, I'm glad they made me go. Wow. Wow, amazing story. Um, okay, well, we're going to take uh, another short break. So you are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We'll be right back. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with John in Arizona about his experience in OA. Welcome back, John. Thanks, Naomi. Uh, 
Yeah. So, um, so you heard about OA when you were in the military, and uh, what was it that you saw in OA that made you want to come back? The thing that I saw was hope. People in OA had lost weight, and um, so that was that's what kept me coming back. You know, I, I got sober, and I actually relapsed that time, which um, and. So I didn't really care about OA when I was out drinking, but as soon as I came back into the other program, um, you know, my weight became a priority again, and that's when I started going regularly. It's probably back in uh, '97 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, from then I've just uh, been coming back, and I'm sorry I, I forgot your question originally. Um, yeah, just basically, what was it you saw? that uh, made you want to come back and you, you said you saw a lot of hope and um, people uh, who had lost weight and looked good and were happy um, oh, right. in meetings, yeah? Um, so how is your life different now? Oh, my, different, my life is so much different, you know. Um, the one, one thing that I think is kind of funny is that people know me, that know me now um, and I was a uh, personal trainer for a while and I had this business card that um, people would look at that and say, you've never been fat. And it's like, it's just, uh, so I've got people fooled now. As I say it jokingly, you know, that they, they don't know what uh, I've had to do, you know, and sure. program in my life. That's really the reason that I am not overweight because to me being a normal body weight is a temporary condition and I have to maintain my spiritual condition every day or else, um, you know, it's, it's not going to last. So for me, it's, you know, um, just working this program daily. And, you know, again, it's the, the weight loss is a byproduct of, you know, working the steps, which I think our other guest is talking about, and, you know, um, becoming more aware of the reality of life not being, you know, evolving around John, but you know, John being part of something much bigger. And, you know, that has in itself has just, <clears throat> changed my whole life and it, the longer I stick around the longer I work the steps the mm-hmm. more the better my life becomes and the more uh, easy life becomes because uh, you know I don't take things as hard and I mean you know I just keep getting gifts that I you know I don't really think that I deserve but the longer I, I work this program the more good things just continue to happen to me and the weight is just like a, uh, it was a byproduct you know and um, yeah. I do still get cravings every once in a while, but, you know, I have so many tools available to me that is, those are just fleeting moments, you know, and, um, so what, what would be a tool that you would use if you get, if you had a craving, um, today, let's say, and, um, what, what would go, like, what process would you go through in your mind or what tools would you use to deal with that? Well, the first thing is that, um, the awareness that, you know, if I'm thinking about food at the wrong time, then there's something up. So the first thing I do is I call my sponsor, period. Mm-hmm. And that is just such a good safeguard. And I have all, the, and then so I'll probably get directed to use some other tools like some reading, some literature, or do some writing, make some outreach mm-hmm. calls, you know, go to a meeting, do some service, all those tools, you know. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's just so many available, and all it really takes is just a little bit of action sometimes. Uh, but when I'm thinking about eating, it seems monumental, you know, but really you just take one small action that's, you know, uh, a part of this program, and, boy, it's just so 
um, effective when you do that. And wow. You so know, you realize like immediately, wow, I'm not really experiencing hunger here. There's something else going on. Yes. And so let me deal with that. Yeah. And that's another gift of this program because before I would just eat, you know, I just didn't realize, you know, so uh, now it's yeah. just, I know that it's not normal for me to want to eat between meals. Wow. Wow. That's great. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who are going to listen to your story and our other guests and and feel inspired and hope in the same way that you did. So thank you for sharing. Thanks, Naomi. Um, we're going to continue with our next guest. This is Anna from Illinois. She has been in program around two and a half years and came into OA at a normal weight, but she was struggling with anorexia and bulimia, exercise bulimia. So, Anna, are you there? I am. Great. Um, so what was life like for you before you came to OA? Um, you know, I was pretty obsessed with food, weight, body image, and exercise, and really that those things filled my mind all day, every day. Um, wow. When I was a teenager, I, I decided, oh, sorry, I, I, I will not skip ahead. But yeah, I was, I was pretty, that's, that was, it was sort of a death march every day, a combination of, of how am I going to um, get my fix without anyone knowing, how am I going to exercise it off so that it doesn't show up on my body, um, how am I going to do this all without anyone seeing or being aware of what I'm doing. I, I ate small amounts of real food in front of other people and then binged in private, and I was just, there was, there was no room in my, in my head for really anything other than the food and yeah. the exercise. And what was it like when you were binging? Um, um, it felt very out of control, and I just felt powerless to stop, um, and I tried lots of things. I, I didn't actually connect the dots all the time between my miserable depression and my eating, um, but I, I knew there was something wrong, and I tried acupuncture and different self-help books and herbs and different things to try to fill the spiritual hole that I was trying to fill with food. Um, mm. Then nothing, nothing ever worked. So, yeah, I was very miserable. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. And and what was it that you were getting from food that you weren't getting from other areas of your life? You know, for a while at the beginning, I I I actually started my uh, eating compulsive eating career with anorexia. I I turned to that as a teenager because I I decided I looked around me and I decided that things felt very out of control and and chaotic, and that it was my job to control them. And if I just super, super, super skinny, then everything would be fine. Um, so I went to that, and I'm, now I'm forgetting the question that you asked me. Oh, but just, I, just what, what, was, um, what did you get from um, your from situations food. with food that you didn't get in other areas of your life? And one thing you mentioned was control. control. So it sounds like that was a way that you could control um, or at least feel in control in some way was by not eating. Exactly. Is that right? Yes, that's yeah. exactly right. It gave me a sense of power that, you know, I felt very powerless and out of control. And it gave me, I remember the first time I refused a cake at some sort of event, I, I was like, hi, I was, I felt so powerful. So yes, mm-hmm. that's what it, that's what it gave me to start with. And then um, you, you started to get into um, what you called exercise bulimia. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
so you were you would eat and then you would try would you like sort of count the calories and try and figure out how much you had to work out in order to work off what you binged is you know, that how I, it would work you know i wasn't at the beginning i think i wasn't that calculated about it but i would definitely restrict and not really eat very much real nourishing food just sort of enough to kind of keep people off my back um uh-huh. give, you know show the world that I, oh i'm actually having something and then um binge on sugar, and I knew, I mean, I just knew that, and they weren't huge binges um, necessarily in, in the scheme of things, but for me they were, and then I just knew anytime I had that sugar, you know, it was, it was a daily thing. It was just part of my life. I wasn't even calculating. Yeah. Does that make sense? I just, yeah. I knew that this was what I had to do in order to not, you know, I had this huge fear of fat at that point. I mean, I did binge and gain a lot of weight, and I sort of went up and down and then kind of landed in this um, normal weight range but that was only because I was practicing, you know, what I've heard called the ABCs, the anorexia, the bulimia in the form of exercise bulimia and the compulsive overeating every single day. Yeah. So you, so you actually, so it, it seems like the three anorexia, bulimia and compulsive eating are kind of all really similar, like different sides of the same coin. Sure. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. There, you know, I say I'm either running to or running from the food, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So when did you find OA? What was, how did you come across Overeaters Anonymous? Um, you know, it was interesting because I was just becoming more miserable and more depressed and more angry and resentful and, felt, and just completely questioning why I was on the earth and not understanding what, why I was here, how anyone could be happy. And I just was becoming kind of falling into the, a deeper depression. And we had a crisis in our family life. And the food and the exercise and the, all the, the different behaviors, they weren't working anymore. You know, they worked for a while for me. They were tools I used to cope with life and emotions. And they weren't helping me at all anymore. And I, it was very scary. And the, the things I was doing with food were getting stranger and stranger. And my mom had had a friend who had been in OA, and she had mentioned it to me years prior. And I just thought, okay, well, it's worth a shot. I'm completely just hopeless and miserable. I, I might as well try this. And, and um, so I went to, to a meeting and fortunately was willing enough to keep coming back. <laughs> wow. And what did you hear at the meeting? What happened there at that first meeting for you? You know, I was just so overcome. I think I cried the first several meetings I went to just because I, you know, it was this admission that, okay, yes, this is it. I'm broken. I'm powerless. I can't do this on my own. You know, a lot of my disease was thinking that, you know, I have to control everything. I have to do it. You know, I have to fix myself. I couldn't fix myself. So I I saw... um, I heard people talking about being powerless and being unable to stop once they started, you know, and having certain foods that they just would have, you know, a bite of, and then they were off to the races and the whole, you know, container was gone. And yeah. I really related to that. And Ooh, um, Anna, we have to take a, a okay. quick break. So hold that thought and we will be right back. Uh, I'm Naomi LaPel and you're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay with us. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. 
I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Anna in Illinois about her experience in OA. So before the break, Anna, you were talking about uh, what it was like for you when you when you came to that first meeting and um, and you just you said you cried through the whole meeting. Yes. And what was it that touched you um, in that way? I think it was just, it was a combination of things of finally getting to the truth about, you know, I, I am powerless over this. I can't fix this. And I, I need people. <laughs> I need these people, you know, yeah. I need these people to help me. And yeah, it was, it was all sorts of emotions coming. And I, you know, just being, the, you know, just not being the only one that, you know, eats out of the garbage can or, you know, finishes the food off other people's plates that kind of thing that was so shameful, so shameful. I was so ashamed of my food behavior that it was, uh, that was part of it too. Um, Yeah, sure. And um, did you um, meet any people in particular at that meeting that you, you know, sort of started a relationship with, like a friendship or a sponsorship? You know, I had to keep looking around. I think I would say I got a, that one of the people there called me and told me about another meeting that is very large with lots of recovery. And I went there and started going there regularly. And there I saw, I just saw people who were happy, joyous, and free in a way I had never seen. I mean, these people were literally glowing, some of them, you know, and they were kind and loving to each other. And there was a sense of joy in being together. And I thought, what? These people must be crazy. You know, how could you possibly be so happy about having an eating disorder, but, you know, it's turned out to be, for me, that, you know, the thing that I thought was a deep, dark, dirty secret has turned out to be my greatest asset, but I, I really, I, um, I did meet my sponsor there, and I really liked, I liked how she, her children were there with the babysitter, and I really, I asked her to be my sponsor because I liked how she spoke with her children, and I wanted that for myself. I wanted to be more loving and kind to the people in my life because I, I really wasn't before. Yeah. So did you find that um, your situation with um, food and compulsive eating and bulimia um, was affecting your relationship with your kids and, and your family? Absolutely. I was very just in my own little world 
um, the very small world of my eating disorder in my brain, and there was really no room, like I said, for anyone else. I was emotionally completely unavailable. Unavailable. It was sort of like, I love you, now go away, so that mm. I can so that I can get to my stuff. Thank you very much. Please go to bed, take your nap, whatever it is. Um, I didn't know how to just kind of be and accept life on life's terms, and it really was... Um, I had an agenda every day for how people should be behaving, and if they weren't, I, that was a problem, and I was miserable, and I would take it out on you. You know what I mean? I, other people felt right. that. So, and what are your relationships like now that you've been in recovery? You know, I can't even describe how, how different <laughs> they are. And, and you know, the, the 12 steps of the program, you know, if we work them, we're guaranteed a spiritual awakening, which means that I act and think behave in ways that I was unable to before, which is now I'm, I'm, I have estranged, there were, I was estranged from certain people in my family and those relationships have been restored. I've, I'm able to actually see another perspective of someone else. You know, I can have compassion for, for people, um, actually ask people about their lives and be able to give and give of myself without expecting things in return, you know, and not have, like I said, that agenda and expect everyone in the world to kind of live up to that and, you know, to be able to accept life on life's terms. I'm just a much more loving and kind and patient person. Now, I'm not perfect and I don't do that perfectly every day, but it's, it's, I'm a completely different person than I was and so are my relationships. And what would you say to people who hear, you know, when you talk about your higher power or your spiritual, having a spiritual life and, and they shy away from that because, mm-hmm. you know, they just, that, that, that's not their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to them um, from your experience? You know, from my experience, I would say, um, you know, if, if, if it's bad enough and you're hopeless enough, just give it a shot. It's worth a shot. I didn't, I didn't have to believe anything coming in. You know, it's the higher power of our own understanding, of our own conception. And yeah. nothing is required coming in and starting it except a willingness to just give it a shot and, and try to work the steps with an abstinence yeah. sponsor. Yeah. It's kind of like, what have you got to lose at this point, right? Exactly. Yeah. In your mind, what is the best gift that OA has given you? The best gift? That is a, that's a tough one, but, you know, I think <laughs> there's several. You know, my relationship with the higher power, um, the sense that I'm not alone, the fellowship is a huge gift, the steps and the tools for dealing with life's ups and downs and my own feelings are a huge gift and just the appreciation for what I have now and like I said the ability to be loving and compassionate to other human beings and to be of service to people is a gift that I never I never could do those kinds of things that get out of my own head before it's so interesting that there wasn't anything in what you just said that had to do with weight or food mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. tells me that that it's it's about so much more than that mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, it starts with the food, you know. I have to I have to abstain and and be sober and abstinent and then I get all these other things when I'm willing right. to work, work the program. Right. So it really has um it sounds like improved and and widened your life in so many ways that you probably never had imagined at that first meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Wow. Thank you so much, Anna, for sharing. Before we close the show, I want to give you some statistics from our most recent membership survey. For 65% of our members, food and compulsive eating became a problem before age 16. More than half of the members who to OA uh, do so when they're between the ages of 26 and 45. And since coming to OA, over half of the respondents to our survey are maintaining a healthy weight. Two-thirds have maintained that weight for between 1 and 20 years, and the average weight loss is 45 pounds. Not only that, but most have significant improvements not just in weight issues, but in overall physical health, daily functioning, mental and emotional health, spiritual connection, and relationships. So there is hope and help for you in Overeaters Anonymous. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees. You can contribute what you can, when you can at the meetings you attend to help keep the program going. We're not a religious organization. We don't subscribe to any specific denomination or ideology. Um, Though there is a spiritual component, as you've heard, in the steps that will help you in your journey to recovery. If you identify with what you've heard today and think that you or someone you care about might have a problem with compulsive eating, bulimia, or anorexia, go to our website at oa.org and find a meeting in your area or call us at 505-891-2664. And most important, remember that you're not alone. Thank you so much to our guests, Mary, John, and Anna, for being on the show today and sharing their personal stories with us. Join us next week on Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous for more on how and why a 12-step program can work for compulsive eating. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.